does not discriminate because of gender, age, religious belief, socioeconomic class, job description, or ethnic origin. The famous are not immune either. James Earl Jones, Barbara Streisand, Carly Simon, Willard Scott, and Dr. Maya Angelou. James Garner, a lifelong sufferer of fear of speaking, once paused during the filming of The Rockford Files to admit to a newspaper reporter that he was extremely nervous about delivering an upcoming commencement address at the University of Oklahoma in his hometown of Norman. It's been driving me nuts, he said, thinking about the speech while I'm trying to finish this movie. Lawrence Olivier is said to have suffered stage fright so acutely he asked his fellow cast members not to look him in the eye while he was performing. Thomas Jefferson was terrified of speaking in public and never overcame it. Near the end of his life, he confided to a friend that he was outraged by what he regarded as the Continental Congress's heavy-handed revision of his carefully written Declaration of Independence. But he was unable to speak up and defend his work. Former First Lady Rosalind Carter was bedeviled by fear of speaking, too. Most of her life she managed to avoid public speaking. But as First Lady, she couldn't. In her autobiography, The First Lady from Plains, she explains, The idea of standing up in front of people absolutely terrified me. Speeches were impersonal, and I was certain I would be struck dumb if ever I had to make one. But on the campaign trail there was no place to hide, and hiding was not her goal. Helping her husband get elected governor of Georgia and eventually president of the United States was her goal. So speak up she did, over and over again. She said, I started practicing at small coffees and receptions. I always arrived very nervous and headed straight for the bathroom, locked myself in and said my lines, which couldn't have been more than two minutes, over and over. It was torture for me. I never knew when I opened my mouth whether any words would come out or not. My knees shook. I was always afraid I would go blank in the middle of my remarks. However, as time passed, it got easier for me, and before the campaign was over, I was making brief speeches often. Rosalind Carter's fortitude, her careful preparation, and her willingness to go back again and again, practice and practice some more, eventually paid off. She triumphed over her fear because her objective was clear and her desire to express her convictions was strong, so strong that her need to say what was on her mind eventually replaced her fear. There is no relationship between fear of public speaking and personal resourcefulness, education, or imagination. Far from it. I am continually impressed by the intelligence and creativity of the people who come to me for help and how much they have to offer. They are CEOs, doctors, lawyers, authors, artists, designers, accountants, financial advisors, computer experts, homemakers active in their communities and their houses of worship, professional volunteers, administrators of charities, architects and middle management executives. They are like you. People who can make a difference. What a shame, then, to hear statements from one of my students like this. I had something to say and didn't. I might as well not have been there. When you don't say what you know and feel, when you withhold yourself, the world is poorer for it. When you have a speaking chore to face, do you procrastinate? 
Do you avoid preparing because to do so seems to make you more nervous? When you visualize yourself in front of the audience, do any of these thoughts run through your mind? They'll think I don't know what I'm doing. I'll make a fool of myself. I'll look stupid. They'll know more about this than I do. My hands will shake. My voice will crack. They'll think I'm disorganized. I'll go blank. I'll lose my place. I'll be boring. I don't know how to do this. I'm not prepared. I don't know how to prepare. I'm no good at this. I can't do it. They'll ask questions I can't answer. The toll in lost opportunities and frustration because of fear of speaking is enormous. It can be the difference between keeping and losing a job. Face it, if you can't orchestrate a meeting, you're of little use to a corporation. But the costs even run deeper than that. It keeps men and women from fulfilling their potential and sharing their unique knowledge, skills, and passion. This seven-step program teaches you to replace fear with a deeper, more meaningful involvement in your message. It's an alternative to the method that uses artificial inflections, mechanical gestures, and other superficialities. Because the seven-step program is rooted in human values and not performance mechanics, it is unlike any other you may have undertaken in an effort to overcome your fear of speaking. In this program, you will not be taught to worry about when and how often to make eye contact, as if eye contact were a substitute for making a real connection with your listeners. You will not be taught to practice putting your hands in and taking them out of your pockets or using other gestures for effect. You will not be taught to vary your vocal modulation, pitch, and tempo for variation's sake. You will not pretend that your listeners are so many heads of cabbage or that they are all naked or some other nonsensical fantasy that denies the reality of one-on-one -on -one communication. One of my students who stuttered as a child told me people were always giving me brainless advice like that. In this program, you will be taught to breathe properly. You will be taught to hear and enjoy your real voice. You will be taught to get an immediate response from your listeners. You will be taught to sustain that response and make your presentation a give and take that is as stimulating for you as it is for your listeners. You will be taught to speak at all times from your intelligence, experience, and beliefs. Like all teachers, I had teachers too, and two of them changed my life. What I learned from them formed the foundation for what I teach. The first was the late Professor Lou Surrett of Northwestern University, who taught me that an able speaker is also an able person, a person of character. An able speaker, Professor Surrett wrote, is one who possesses or is achieving the power to speak excellently. At the same time, an able person is one who possesses or is achieving excellence as a human being, one who is developing his own best potentialities in the art of living. Recognize yourself as a person of character who has something to say, and what you have to say will become more important than your fear of saying it. My second great teacher was Lee Strasberg, the influential acting coach whose teachings are still practiced. As a young actress, I learned from him his famous acting method, which is based on two exercises, the private moment and the affective memory. 
Both are designed to help the actor bring his or her own memories and life experiences to the portrayal of a character. That connection to real life brings a compelling dimension of reality to the performance. Of course, you're not here to learn to act, but using your own experience and your own sense of reality while you're speaking connects you to your subject and your audience as nothing else can. So I adapted both of these exercises to my teaching. They form the basis for the work we will do in Step 7, Give the Gift of Your Conviction. The real you as a public speaker is there, behind the fear, just waiting to be brought out. All of the work we are about to undertake together is aimed toward that wonderful objective. But first, let's talk about the fear that has caused you so much pain. The five fears. I believe there are five basic sources of fear of speaking. They are, one, career terror. Two, perfectionism. Three, panic. Four, avoidance. Five, trauma. It is important to understand the nature of each fear. When you can identify a fear as your own, you can begin to lessen the effect of it. Fear one, career terror. As the name suggests, career terror is exclusively job-related. It's rooted in the awful feeling that your job, your career, your future is on the line every time you step before a group, enter a meeting, or pick up the telephone. Many of my students seek my help because they believe their fear of speaking is inhibiting their careers. As a result, they pass up good opportunities and shrink from taking leadership roles, choosing instead jobs that don't require them to speak. There are eight circumstances that can trigger career terror. 1. Being promoted to a higher level of responsibility and feeling enormous pressure to live up to new expectations. 2. Speaking to a large audience of strangers in an unfamiliar setting. 3. The presence of a hostile boss or a competitive, intimidating co-worker. 4. Being forced to use pre-written scripts. 5. Pressure to use the language of the corporation, incorporating into your talk stock phrases and buzzwords that are foreign to the way you really express yourself. 6. Using unfamiliar new technologies such as video conferencing or PowerPoint. 7. Being assigned to talk about things you know nothing about. 8. Not having enough time to prepare. Feeling overwhelmed, you suddenly find anxiety snowballing. Even low-stress presentations become occasions for dread and seem insurmountable. Let me tell you Rod's story. Rod, an account manager at a large insurance corporation, was very afraid of speaking in front of a group. He knew it could hold him back in his company, but he skirted the issue by becoming adept at avoiding speaking situations. Once, however, he was caught off guard. He told me I was in a meeting and they were going around the room introducing themselves, and I thought, oh no, how did this happen? How can I get out of it? I just had to say a sentence or two, but I was terrified. The fear got so bad that I left the room right before it was my turn to talk. I just kind of ducked out of the room for a couple of minutes and tried to regain my sanity. I was short of breath and I thought I was going to lose my voice. 
Rod headed for the men's room, got a drink of water, and wondered how much damage he had done to himself. He crept back into the room and joined the meeting in progress. Everyone noticed his abrupt departure. My boss made a comment, he said. He was fishing for an explanation of why I walked out, but I didn't say anything. I think everyone could see how scared I was. He doesn't know I have the fear of speaking, but what difference would it make if he did? What kind of excuse is that for a manager to duck out of a meeting? You don't go to the bathroom right when you're the next person to speak. Well, Rod did not lose his job, but he knew he had to overcome his fear, or the same thing might happen again, and in the process of working through the seven steps, he got his career terror under control. Fear 2. Perfectionism Perfectionists are usually bright, clever, and successful people who expect nothing less than perfection from themselves. High standards and high achievement are the upside of perfectionism. Obsessive devotion to flawlessness, however, can become a serious obstacle to fearless speaking. The important thing to remember is that the purpose of public speaking is communication, not perfection. Communicating what you want to say, what you know, think, and feel is the ultimate goal, and you can't accomplish that effectively, much less pleasurably, if you're terrified of making even a tiny mistake. Here's Dave's story. Dave, a vice president of distribution at a major auto parts supplier, is a charmer who always is the life of any party he attends. In class, he kept us in stitches with his take on life, how hard it is to have a good time, his inadequacies, his very human mistakes, such as getting an expensive, rare breed of dog and then finding out his wife can't stand it. He fulfilled one assignment, a speech about his favorite weekend, with a tale about how he and his wife went to the mountains looking for a summer rental for the family. He also hoped it would turn into a romantic weekend. Instead, the real estate broker didn't leave them alone for two seconds. Dave memorized and wrote out word for word every speech he made. When Dave told stories about his family's adventures, he was relaxed and fearless. But the speeches he prepared for work changed him into a different person. The on-the-job Dave was super serious. When I tried to take his written words away from him, Dave and I had a tug of war with the paper his speech was written on. I told him I wanted to help him experience what it's like to think on his feet, to get a response, to enjoy give and take with his audience, and he literally became red in the face. He asked wide-eyed, Write everything out and then not say it? Aren't we supposed to say everything we prepared to say? Everything I...